Hello, welcome to this edition of CFA Institute's Take 15. My name is Stephen Horan, Head of Professional Education Content and Private Wealth at CFA Institute. And I'm joined here today by Dr. David Stein, Chief Investment Officer of Parametric Portfolio Associates, a quantitative equity portfolio management firm that specializes in taxes. Dr. Stein holds a PhD in Applied Mathematics from Harvard University and has unique insights with respect to portfolio management, particularly in these challenging times. David, we've been experiencing a tremendous volatility in the marketplace and uh, tremendous devaluation of assets. And many people are saying that the only thing that goes up at times like these are correlations. And so our ideas of diversification are being turned on its head, some saying that diversification is dead. So um, from the perspective of long-term wealth management for the private client, um, what does that mean? Is that truly the case? Well, the important point to make, Steve, is that we're, in my mind, we want to focus on the long term. Uh, correlations have gone up through this crisis. Does that mean to say correlations are going to remain up forever afterwards? You know, I doubt it. It's not that long ago when correlations were all over the map, when volatilities were a lot lower. Nobody guaranteed that correlations would never go up in a crisis. Nobody guaranteed that diversification would work in every conceivable situation. And here's one where, through this crisis diversification, has in a sense uh, been, been a tough one, but should one throw out diversification as a notion? I don't think so. Excellent. So um, what does that do to translate into your view of, of the equity markets? Are they still a reasonable place for people to put their capital when you look over the short term at least, it doesn't look like uh, risk takers have been rewarded? Well, you know, this is, uh, this is, again, one of those short-term views you're talking about. It's not that long ago when the academics spoke about the equity puzzle, the equity risk premium puzzle. Why were equity investors being compensated so much for the risk that they were taking? Yeah. We're going back maybe two years, two and a half years, people were talking like that. Now, all of a sudden, they're asking the question, are equities ever going to perform well? We certainly know now why equities uh, provided a risk premium. Nobody ever promised that over any 10 or even any 15-year period, over every 15-year period, equities would go up. And here we've seen an extended period where equities, after this crisis, have, uh, after the fact, not gone up. Uh, I'm looking at the equity markets thinking that equities are a great place to be. There's some good values, and I believe that for long-term investors, equities and a core equity position make a lot of sense for long-term holding. Okay, so we've gone through a, another one of our Six Sigma events, which seem to happen a little bit more frequently than every million years or so that the uh, uh, model of normality yeah. would, would suggest. So um, what, what implication does the notion of fat tails in our return distributions have for risk management, at least with, re in, with respect to your view of the world? Yeah. Um, keep in mind, we're a relatively specialized firm. We're dealing with publicly traded equities, and we're fairly risk controlled with respect to a target portfolio which an investor chooses. 
Um, so we, we, as we a, a target is specified, often a cap-weighted uh, benchmark, but need not be so, and we manage the portfolio to that benchmark. Um, I think the important thing about uh, risk management is that you don't take the risk models too literally. Uh, so one has to recognize that any risk model is going to uh, suffer at certain times and is going to be only a gross approximation at many times. And you want to basically wear suspenders and a belt. Uh, in our risk management, we focus, uh, while we might talk about focusing on a tracking error of a portfolio with respect to its benchmark, we're actually in practice uh, constraining the portfolio in a large number of different ways against all kinds of fundamental risks or factor risks or security-specific risks or all kinds of things. Um, uh, and in fact, through this crisis, uh, our portfolios, by and large, have done what they were supposed to. You know, if they benchmarked against and a target which was down 30 or 35 percent, so the portfolio was down 30 or 35 percent fairly tightly. I've seen periods where markets were far less rough than this, where the risk models did less well. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the important thing is to be aware of what the risk model can do and what it can't do, and uh, not take it too literally. Are, are those benchmarks reasonable targets then for a, a long-term wealth management strategy for, for, for private clients? I mean, is, is that the right bogey? Um, well, everybody has to choose what their target is. Um, and nobody's, I don't want necessarily to say what the right target is for everyone. Uh, targets for one person might be appropriate for that person, but relatively inappropriate for somebody else. Um, but one can talk about general uh, principles of what a suitable target is. And if one's talking about a broad core uh, equity holding for the long term, there are certain types of targets that I think make more sense than others. Uh, but yes, we, uh, we are able to target portfolios for clients and customize them to the clients. That's very much uh, what our focus is on, on the customization both with respect to the target and with respect to the active management of the taxes. The active management of the taxes is, is an area where not many people pay a lot of attention. Yeah, and you've, you've established yourself as, as a real thought leader in that area, not just managing the taxes, but also um, identifying a benchmark that is tax-adjusted, so tax, after-tax performance uh, measurement. Um, yes. Can you speak a little bit to how important is that tax element, um, or is it just uh, the tail that wags the dog and we ought to be focusing uh, primarily on a pre-tax uh, framework because um, that gets you 80% of the way there? Yes, no, I think it's absolutely the wrong thing, and I've used this analogy many times before. This isn't a cute little puppy dog wagging his tail at you. This is an alligator, and the tax tail is a large part of the beast, and you ought to get your arms around this tax tail of the alligator. Taxes are a first-order issue. They eat up more in terms of return than money management fees, than transaction fees, than market impact, almost anything. Taxes are a major, major, major issue. They, they can eat up 40, 50, 60 percent of your return unnecessarily. And they're not a given is what you're saying. And they're not a given. So that, as, as with all portfolio management, that tax experience needs to be managed. Essentially the IRS or whoever the taxing authority is, is your partner. And your partner has some rules about how they want uh, their 
piece of the pie to be given, and you have some options as to how you manage that that experience. And you can do that well, and you can do that stupidly. Um, my personal philosophy is that one can save, and we can prove this, one can save a great deal of value and accrue a great deal of additional long-term wealth by actively managing that tax experience rather than passively managing that tax experience. What are the fundamental ideas behind that tax management? Well, uh, the, the major issues have to be uh, be careful every time you change your mind. Every time you change your mind, you sell a security uh, that has appreciated in value, you get hit by taxes. So you want to be careful about how you're changing your mind. You want to change your mind at s in sensible ways at sensible times. Uh, tax management is all about the uh, trade-off between the tax cost of getting somewhere and getting to where you really want to get to and to manage that trade-off, manage that tracking, if you like to where you'd really want to get to in the presence of these taxes. Um, uh, for people who come into new wealth, for example, uh, it's important to set up a, the appropriate portfolio really early on at a time when it's, from a tax, tax point of view, inexpensive to do so. Once one has concentrated wealth, there, becomes, there starts to be a different tax issue, how to diversify that concentrated wealth in appropriate ways, and there are sensible ways to diversify that concentrated wealth, and non-sensible ways to, to diversify that concentrated wealth. It's about actively managing taxes over time. So the standard thing people like to talk about is the realization of capital losses. I'm not sure why so many people like to talk about the realization of capital losses, because uh, I think it's because it's, uh, it's easy to associate an alpha with it and it's measurable and one can talk about it. But it turns out that that is just one aspect of active tax management. Sometimes it makes a great deal of sense to actively realize capital gains. Sometimes it makes sense to anticipate where tax rates are going and to make your decisions based on where you expect tax rates to go and what you expect your horizon to be. So un unpack that idea a little bit more. The idea of uh, recognizing gains as a tax management strategy seems uh, iconoclastic at first glance. So what are you getting at there? Well, keep, keep in mind, okay, tax management is in the context of portfolio management. So really we have a portfolio. The objective of the portfolio is to appreciate over time. You want to manage the taxes as an integral part of that portfolio management. So the purpose, is, the purpose of the investment is for how it's going to appreciate. Um, so you can't really separate tax management from portfolio management in a clean way. Um, I personally like to think of having a beta portfolio and to active, ma actively manage the beta aspects or, or the, the tax as aspects of that beta portfolio. Um, in doing so, okay, I can, I can think of at least, off the bat, three or four ways one uh, wants to actively realize capital gains. So if you're starting off with a portfolio that's at low basis, and this is a concentrated portfolio, you, you need to diversify that portfolio. And I wrote a paper over, t over 10 years ago, I think, which talks about diversifying in the presence of taxes. And often the right decision is to bite the bullet and pay your taxes. In these days, when tax rates are relatively low in the U.S., the federal rates right now, and anticipated to go up, it may be a very sensible time to realize capital gains um, and to actively realize those capital gains. If you expect tax rates to go up, that may be a time to realize capital gains before they go up more and you pay a higher rate 
uh, next year for the same taxes. It often makes sense if you, if, uh, let me express it this way. The, the, we, we spoke a little about the realization of capital losses. The realization of capital losses is the exploitation of a tax option. So the IRS gives you the option to pay your taxes today or at some point in the future, and that option has a real economic value, and it makes sense to exercise that option in appropriate ways. Well, when the difference in tax rates between short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains is extremely high, the option on a short-term holding may be extremely high, and it may make sense to actively realize a long-term capital gain in order to reset the holding piece the, the, the holding period and have the option value, if you like, of a short-term capital loss, uh, and that's an economic benefit which uh, many people take advantage of. So there are lots of uh, lots of possible ways to talk about realizing. It's about it's, it's about deciding when the appropriate time is to pay your taxes, and many times the appropriate thing is not to defer indefinitely. Yeah, and and, and difficult to model it sounds like. Well. We have ways. David, yes. thank you very much. Appreciate your <laughs> time and your expertise. Thank you, Steve. And thank you for joining us for this session of CFA Institute's Take 15. Please see our other videos and webcasts at cfainstitute.org or cfawebcasts.org. Copyright 2009 CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.